Welcome to the Great Doctrines of the Bible, where we are covering crucial teachings from Scripture to help you grow your faith. In our modern vocabulary, we talk about going to church and being part of the church. We also hear we are the church. In terms of buildings, there are hundreds of churches in every state. And the topic of the church, because of this, can be confusing. And we must understand it correctly if we want to honor Christ. So what what does the Bible say about the church? Well, in the New Testament, the church is designated by a Greek word that means called out ones. A survey of the New Testament reveals that the church is the community of those who have been called out by God from their slavery to sin through faith in Jesus Christ. There are a few different ways that Scripture describes the church for us. One is what's called the visible church, and that is the company of those who outwardly profess faith in Christ. In other words, that is everyone who says they follow Jesus. There's also the invisible church. This is the true church, those who have been truly born again by the Holy Spirit and entered the kingdom of God. Not everyone, sadly, who is part of the visible church is part of the invisible church. Because, as we see from Matthew 7, not everyone who claims to know Christ truly knows him. We also see the local church. This is those who profess faith in Christ and gather in local congregations, physically meeting with one another. The New Testament clearly models that believers in Christ must express their faith in the context of a local church that preaches a true biblical gospel of Christ. If a professing Christian refuses to actively engage as an accountable member of a local congregation, in reality he is in disobedience to God. There's also the universal church, which is similar to the invisible church, all genuine Christians throughout the entirety of the church age. This is every true Christian ever. A Christian today and a Christian from the year 100 AD are both part of the universal church. There are two vital truths from the New Testament regarding the church. The first one is Christ died for the church. He died to gather a people called out of darkness into his marvelous light, as Peter puts it. Paul, in Ephesians 5, roots the husband's love for his wife in Christ's work. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ bought those who are his with his own blood. He cares for the church and desires for us to be made into his likeness. God is jealous for the church and works to make it pure. God is serious about the state of the church, just as a good husband is serious about loving his wife. Therefore, we must take these matters seriously. So first, we see that Christ died for the church, and second, we see that Christ is the head of the church, meaning he is the supreme Lord and master of the community of faith. The church obeys his commands and is sanctified after him. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The church is not a man-made institution. Just like marriage, it is a God-ordained institution that has parameters set by God. Christ determines what is true of the church and how it should function. Christ's lordship is our blessing. It is for our good and for our joy. Christ's commands are not burdensome, but are for God's good purposes. Well, what are those purposes? Since the church is not a random institution, but a community for which Christ died, it is vital to know 
what purposes God has given the church. In other words, what is the church for? What should it be about? Well, first we see that it should be about exalting God. The church exists first and foremost to glorify God. God is glorified in all aspects of church life, including corporate worship, the public reading and teaching of Scripture, in the sacraments or the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Worship consists of ascribing the honor to God that He is due, declaring His glory both in words of praise and through acts of obedience. Second, the purpose of the church is to edify believers. Believers gather also for the purpose of building one another up into Christ's likeness. This glorious act is a calling for all Christians of all different maturity levels, and all receive the blessing of being comforted, corrected, and emboldened in Christ's likeness by fellowship with other believers. Ephesians 4, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Believers who have differing spiritual gifts all must function with love for Christ and love for one another as the foundation in order to fulfill the purpose of building God's kingdom. A third purpose we see is evangelizing the lost and discipleship. A church that is truly following Christ will have a zeal to proclaim His Lordship to the world. A church that truly understands the helpless state of unbelievers under God's judgment will compassionately present the saving work of Christ to them. Jesus states to to His disciples in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Making disciples does not mean only mean seeing people receive Christ, but it definitely and necessarily includes it. The lost come to know Christ by hearing the message of the gospel, the saving work of Christ, and once they have come to Christ, we baptize them and we teach them. Discipleship is a lifelong process, and that happens within the context of the local church.